0: Hello everyone, welcome to our Saturday Dhamma session. Missed last week's session, so I'll try not to talk too much, give more time for potential questions. Maybe there will be more. Maybe there will be fewer. But I thought today to talk about reasons why we meditate. Well one one version of an answer to why we meditate. Because it's a perennial question among new meditators. We all have our reasons for coming to begin to practice meditation. Sometimes we have expectations. Sometimes we have heard from others reasons
1: to meditate and that appeals to us and so even though we didn't think to take up meditation,
0: it's called sasangarika. Our intentions to meditate are prompted by external sources. And that can be tenuous because without a initial intention to
1: practice meditation, it's easy to become skeptical and uh, hesitant in your practice. Right? One thing about not being sure of the benefits of something that is that you, you're less likely to put your whole heart into the activity and so more likely to not get the results. It's a self-defeating uh, mind state doubt. Doubt is self-defeating. Is this going to help me? Oh, as long as you're caught up in that mind state. That's a big challenge of anything, really, anything new. Because it's hard to be confident or sure of what you're doing, but if you're
0: not confident about it, it will be less efficacious. So one reason for talking about reasons why we meditate
1: is this, to provide confidence through some intellectual understanding or appreciation of why one might want to meditate and also to clear up some of the misunderstandings around why one should meditate or what one
0: should expect from meditation or how to deal with expectations. It it, it happens...
1: Uh, it can happen that our reasons for continuing to meditate end up being different from the reasons why we initially began to meditate. Or our expectations of the sorts of results we get turn out to be very different from the actual results that we do get. That's to be expected from anything new, but more, most especially from something like meditation, which is so foreign and so visceral so much focused on the very workings of our mind in a way that we're not really familiar with we deal mostly
0: in the world uh, in in concepts superficial abstractions
1: conceptualizations of of what we think of things rather than what's actually happening behind the scenes That's why it's so hard for us to find happiness and free ourselves from suffering because we're not really working on a level
0: uh, that is in touch with reality. So we often are
1: keen to impress upon meditators not to focus on, our, on expectations because our understanding of what we might get out of meditation is often very different from what, how meditation actually works.
0: That and our understanding of what we really need What's really going to help us is often different from our expectations. might expect meditation to give us a vacation, an escape
1: from reality, and there are meditations that do that, certainly, but that's not really what's going to be of most benefit to us,
0: for example. Anyway, the Buddha detailed four reasons to meditate
1: reasons why people meditate. You could even call them four types of meditation for based on the results they bring. Because different meditations bring different results, but I like to think of it as the results of, of any sort of positive meditation, beneficial meditation, wholesome meditation, most especially mindfulness. I think mindfulness does bring about all four of these results it's for the purpose of all four of these things just not perhaps in the way that we think so some some types of
0: meditation are more focused on one or another so the first one is dita Sukha viharaya
1: samwatati dita Sukha viharaya Vihara dwelling Sukha, dwelling in happiness Dita Dhamma Dita means seen Dhamma means reality Seen reality means We'd say in English In the here and now Or the evident reality And the word is used to mean As opposed to in some hypothetical Theoretical
0: Promised future time. For example, a a religion or a spiritual
1: path might promise heaven after you die. Heaven is such a a terrible promise to make, such an easy promise to make. It's such low-hanging fruit because you can't be called out on it most of the time. It's hard for anyone to call you out on it
0: and say you're wrong because well none of us it's not here and now
1: it's not evidently visible and anyone who does attain uh, or get to the point where they would attain heaven that was promised to them isn't in a position to report back to us whether they did reach
0: heaven or not so we can't even get their we can't even get their confirmation That's the sort of happiness that is not dita dhamma You can't see it here and now. It's not evident. There are other, other examples of this. Even, even enlightenment, let's say, is not
1: dita dhamma in some sense. I mean, it is, but, but in this sense, it means here and now, like right away. Because for most people, enlightenment is going to take some time, and so if you, that were your focus, it would be focusing on something that you really didn't
0: have any any evidence of to, to some extent, I'd like to address that as well, but
1: When we talk of dita sukha vihara, we mean dwelling in happiness right away, like like without having to believe. Uh, without having to wait or expect and some meditations are much better at this than others and much of the reason why people come to meditate is focused around this sort of result we want to feel peace and happiness we want as i said an escape a vacation but those sorts of meditation and that sort of result isn't really to our benefit It isn't to our benefit on on the level of actually changing the nature of
0: our our mind, our inclination. There are many meditations which
1: fix the mind, focus the mind on, on a single object, and as a result are able to avoid those objects which would trigger a, a negative
0: pleasant re- emotional result response And so it 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 appears that you've attained something you've gained something, and then you could say this is some kind of breakthrough in meditation where you. Fix your
1: mind on an object and, and you're able to stay with the object and as a result, you feel peaceful and calm and blissful it can be a great experience, but it can also be addictive, it can be distracting in the sense that your, your mind is constantly thinking about it is constantly going back to it as opposed to going deeper to learn and to understand the reasons why we react in the first place why we suffer in the first place so we issue those sorts of meditation in favor of mindfulness which is often disconcerting for, for new meditators who, who are uh, expecting blissful peaceful calm states yet even mindfulness and and let's say more especially mindfulness
0: gives a deeper happiness in the here and now It's just that it's it's hard it's more challenging and it's more engaged with those experiences that cause us suffering But when we are mindful even just for a moment you
1: can see for yourself in the here and now the happiness that comes from changing the way you look at something, the relief, the relief from stress and suffering that comes from changing your perspective on things, your perspective on problems, perspective on suffering, from something that is hurting me
0: something that has arisen. Something that has arisen and will cease. From it being
1: my pain, bad pain, problem pain, to just being pain.
0: And when you're focused even on the body, on the foot moving, focused on the stomach rising.
1: There is a great relief that comes when you're able to focus, when you're able to stay present. It's, in, it's vitalizing. It's invigorating. It's also very challenging, and it's going to be interspersed with a lot of negative mind states, especially in the beginning. And because it's not fixed and focused on a single object, it's easily derailed. And so it's a
0: challenge. And, and, and this, it can be stressful, because you still have to deal with the stressful habits. Of
1: Nonetheless, happiness is a big part of why we practice There just needs to be a little bit of change in our understanding of what sort of happiness is going to come. It's not going to be constant blissful feelings, not if you're practicing but it's going to be a much happier
0: state of being in general as your perspective changes. And you should be able to see that for yourself. It just won't be this blissful, constant escape from reality. The second reason to meditate is uh, jnana dasana patilabhaya. For attaining jnana, knowledge, and dasana, vision. So dasana here is is like vipassana, if you know this word. Jnana means knowledge, and this has two different levels as well. On the one hand,
1: there's many kind of knowledges and visions that can arise through meditation. Some people claim to be able to see things far away, hear things far away, or, or come to know things that they shouldn't know, like other people's thoughts,
0: uh, to remember their past lives, which for most people is impossible. And And more generally, to know answers to many of life's
1: problems to gain knowledge and vision on how to live your life. Such an important benefit of meditation. Answers will come easier. Even school, we talk about worldly knowledge. School, even work, finding the answer to a problem at work. Taking exams in school. Writing essays.
0: So much of it becomes easier, as your mind becomes more clear. So, so on the
1: one hand, through deep states of concentration, which it's not involved with our practice, but there are meditations with these deep states of concentration where you're able to have what one might call magical experiences, supernatural experiences. But on the other hand, the clarity of mind that comes from something like mindfulness, something that we do. You could say it's much more practical, because just because you can read someone's mind doesn't mean you know how to engage with them mindfully. On the other hand, you don't have to read someone's mind to know how to behave, how to interact. You just need a clear state of mind. And mindfulness provides that. The clear vision, being able to see the see a
0: situation as it is and to know the answers, the ways to deal with it. It's a very important thing.
1: Mindfulness helps. And the third is the third reason is Sati Sampajanyaya. It's just the mindfulness sati and clear comprehension.
0: Sampajanya. The Buddha considered these to be a
1: a result, a purpose of meditation. Mindfulness itself is a purpose. Clear comprehension itself is a purpose. Because mindfulness and clear comprehension are a perfect way to live your life. prevent you from falling into addiction,
0: hatred, conceit, arrogance, fear depression, anxiety. sati
1: What If you can get to the point where you are mindful and clearly comprehending, seeing things as they are, it's not just about the knowledge
0: and vision that you gain, it's about the state of mind, the clarity of mind, the way you live your life. Uh, the this the difference between
1: an ordinary, untrained, clouded, blind
0: mind and a mind that is clear and free from obscuration. This is what mindfulness does for us: clarity of mind, the sharpness of mind presence of mind and the fourth benefit of course wouldn't be, wouldn't be complete without the
1: fourth purpose or reason for meditating which is to free ourselves from free ourselves from defilement asavanangkayai to, to destroy the asava destroy the taints, the defilements, the things in the corruptions in our mind, the bad
0: habits in our mind, the misperceptions, the wrong views, wrong inclinations. Those things that cause suffering for us and others, for ourselves and others. It's the real reason why we meditate. So a good Indicator
1: of progress in meditation relates to corruptions in the mind. Do you still have greed in the mind, anger in the mind, delusion in the mind,
0: like arrogance, conceit, and so on? Mindfulness helps root these out because they're harmful to us, because they rely on delusion and ignorance, especially ignorance because mindfulness
1: leads us to see clearly right and once you see clearly you can't give rise to some ignorant mind state anger is an ignorance based mind state greed is an ignorance based mind state without without ignorance you never get greedy or angry it's just ignorant to do so by seeing things clearly there's no reason to get angry by seeing
0: anger and greed clearly there's no inclination to give rise to them in the first place. So, just a short talk on some of the basic reasons why we practice
1: meditation. I think it's important to give these sorts of talks because, of course, a big part of what we do is the teaching of meditation. And in order, as I said, to give confidence to new meditators, to help them appreciate, not just giving them lots of promises, but to help appreciate and understand why it is and what it is that meditation leads to, to help correct some misunderstandings, perhaps, and to elucidate the mechanism by which meditation leads to good things. It's not just magic. It's not like you say this magic mantra, And poof, you become happy. No. The mantra is for the purpose of reminding ourselves of what's
0: happening, keeping our mind fixed and focused on reality, as opposed to our conception. So, that's the talk for today we will take questions if there are any. Yes, there are questions. So,
2: let's begin. Often when sitting, I hear something and immediately I dislike it, or identify what made the sound or even combination of these things. What's best to note, hearing or the resulting experiences?
0: Just note whatever's clearest. They're all good to note.
1: It's not magic, like like there's not a magic solution or a perfect solution. You're noting, noting, and reminding yourselves yourself in regards to the nature of the experience will be beneficial. It will help to cultivate and create this clarity of mind. So usually we say to pick whichever is prominent, and there's no right answer it's not like you, you'll you pick the wrong if you pick the wrong one it doesn't work or something an important thing to remember about meditation is it's a learning experience so these sorts of answers will eventually come to you yourself as you start to see what works you start to get a deeper appreciation that it's not magic that, it, that you get a deeper appreciation of positive mind states and good habits and how to make the
0: meditation work for you.
2: I switched from breath meditation to vipassana one year ago. In the last month, I feel restless, and I feel suffering in daily situations. I'm also not so calm anymore. Is something wrong? What should I do?
0: So this is a good example of the difference between different types of meditation. You have an
1: attachment to calm feelings that seems that sounds pretty clear and an aversion to suffering. And mindfulness is is working with those. Mindfulness is about working not with getting back to some sort of calm feeling or avoiding suffering situations, even avoiding restlessness. It's about dealing with those, cleansing the impurities of the mind, by changing your perspective. Changing perspective is a very important concept to understand because it's a very integral part of mindfulness meditation as opposed to
0: changing the situation. See, there are one way of describing the difference between meditations is
1: that one type of meditation changes the experience And the other type of meditation changes your perspective on it. If you understand that, then you'll understand why there is a difference. With vipassana meditation, it's about seeing things in a new way, more clearly, as opposed to changing them. So your desire for calm is what's actually causing you suffering. Your aversion to suffering is what's causing you suffering. Your aversion to restlessness and so on. So the correct thing to do is to note to yourself, restless, when you feel suffering, disliking, probably. Note the disliking. When you want to feel calm, wanting. This will change your perspective on things. You'll be less
0: needy, less reactionary, more content, no matter what things happen or don't happen.
2: For me, picking whatever is clearest is all right in theory, but whatever is clearest changes so quickly that I feel the need to jump around. Maybe I am being too quick to deem something as the clearest. Any advice?
0: Well, if there's lots of things
1: happening, you're distracted, so you should note that, distracted, distracted. After you note something, you should generally go back to the stomach. Or the foot, depending how
0: you're depending on what you're practicing So again, it's not this isn't what you should be focusing on.
1: You pick what's clearest, you note it, and it disappears what 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 is important about your experience is that you're seeing impermanence, you're seeing uncertainty you're seeing how things change, you're seeing the three characteristics, which is, of course, everyone will see these three. It's just not easy to recognize them, what you're seeing. But more basically and, and more easy to understand is you're seeing things more clearly than before. You're seeing how, how reality works. The fact that you see that the clarity changes, right? The object of the mind changes very quickly, jumps. It's a sign that it's working. It's a, this is what you're supposed to see out of meditation. But feeling the need to jump around, you should just note that needing or wanting or worried or
0: however it is in the mind. You have to figure out what that is exactly. Can I meditate without saying
2: rising and falling?
1: Um, you can, there's lots of things you can note, but in our tradition we use a mantra to note so if you mean, can I meditate without using a mantra Well, not in our tradition, I would say it's, it's
0: inferior to do so. And so we don't recommend it.
2: Is it better to note pain or disliking if the pain is more prominent than the disliking? Since pain is the cause and disliking is the effect, should we note the effect even though it's less prominent?
1: You should not thinking,
0: thinking when you think about this question. When you're confused or unsure. Is discursive thought bad for meditation, such as thinking rising and falling? I'm not sure what you mean by that exactly. In meditation, we don't have good or bad. We just note
1: what happens. So if you are thinking, you'd say thinking, thinking. But when you talk about thinking, rising, and falling, that falling and rising, that's that's our practice. So that's the thought that we're trying to create. It's not discursive. I don't even really know what the word discursive means, actually, in this context especially. But when you say to yourself, rising or falling, that's the mental activity
0: we're aiming for. So in that sense, no thought isn't bad. It's just important to have the right thought or a clear thought.
2: When I note, there is mental chatter and music in my head all the time, so I get distracted and unsure if I should note it in between things. Any advice?
1: Oh yeah, you should note. Mental chatter would be distracted, thinking a lot. Music would be hearing. It's not all the time, but in the beginning it can be quite incessant, coming back again and again. Meditation builds patience, and in the beginning that's an important quality to cultivate. So
0: being able to note things again and again when they keep coming back. How can meditating treat perfectionism? Well, perfectionism isn't necessarily all bad, because meditation,
1: mindfulness helps you see imperfections, and so it makes you more perfect. To some extent, an enlightened being is still always working closer to perfection because they're still experiencing and and seeing their habits, their imperfect imperfections of habit of course their minds you could say are perfect but their knowledge isn't perfect uh, and so their 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 behavior their speech you know, these things are no, still not perfect
0: but absolutely until someone becomes enlightened we're we're aiming for that perfection the buddha was said to be perfect
1: Even the Buddha wasn't perfect because his body wasn't perfect. He still had to die and he still got sick. But in many ways he was what we would call perfect. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but what you're referring to is perhaps this obsession uh, with perfection. And in, in, in many ways, of course, perfectionism is a very bad thing. The point is to focus on what needs to be perfected. And that's a problem we have. We obsess over perfecting things that need not be perfected. The world can't be perfected. Our our life, our... our and, and all of these things that I mentioned, our behavior, our
0: speech, even our knowledge can't be perfected. We are not going to be perfect beings. We are still going to get old, sick, and die. And the world around us as well.
1: So obsession with fault is is a need, it's a de-
0: desire. It can be worry-based, it can be view-based. So like anything else, you just have to note that obsession, that desire. Or,
1: or important is to note the experience of engaging in your obsession because it changes your perspective on things. It changes your view from this is something I must do to this is not something I must do.
0: This is something I can actually let go of.
2: Lust has been a great hindrance in my practice. I have tried many times to let go of lust, but so far I have failed. Any advice on how I should deal with lust?
1: like anything else you should come to see it clearly trying to let go of something i've said this many times it's an oxymoron in some ways you can't try to let go of something because the trying is not letting go it's a misunderstanding of what we what is meant or what is the proper usage of the term let go you don't try to let go trying to let go isn't a valid way to let go of something letting go also means letting come When we say letting go, or when you say in this case letting go, you really mean get rid of,
0: right? Uh, Eradicate, kill, kill off the lust. And that's not how it works. Even
1: things like lust, you have to not exactly let them come, but you can't prevent them from coming just because you don't want them to come or just because you try to stop them from coming. The only way to stop things like lust from arising is through clarity, because, as I said, they thrive only in the presence of ignorance delusion, darkness when the mind is clear, there is no delusion, there is no ignorance, there is no darkness, and so there can't be anything like lust.
0: That's the purpose of the meditation practice of mindfulness. to see clearly Stop trying to fix things start trying to see them clearly
1: and that means being patient when you are lustful because you have to note that as well you'll get much better results if you just try to see the lust and everything associated with it more clearly as opposed to having some desire for it to
0: go away or not come back or some fear of it or that sort of thing
2: When noting a feeling, such a feeling of pressure, pain, or itching, is it preferred to note feeling or to be more specific and note pain, pressure, or itching? Or is it not important, as long as the focus of the mind is placed on the location spot of the feeling?
1: It's going to be better generally to note pain, pressure, itching. You can, for some of those, note feeling, but pain isn't just a feeling. Pain is more... Pain, pain is, a, is a specific better to say pain. For some feelings that are just feelings, you can just note feeling. But if it's pressure, if
0: it's itching, especially if it's pain, you should note those.
2: Should I note more linear thinking with a different word than thoughts, views or opinions that seem to spontaneously materialize in full in my mind?
0: I don't quite understand the question. I think um, you might be overthinking it. Don't think you have to be so concerned about that. If it's thinking, not thinking. It's a lot of thinking, not distracted.
2: I have so much suffering, and I have always tried to meditate to reduce it, and it worked. The problem is that I always give it up after a period of time. Now I really suffer, and I want to start meditating again. But I don't trust myself that I will go on with it. Something inside me tells me that I'll give it up after a period of time. So why start?
1: Why start? Because of how it changes you. I mean, the the sense that you're getting is that you just go back to the same as before, but that's not really true. Imagine what what your life would be like if you hadn't ever meditated. When you meditate and, let's say, it's what happened that you reduced your suffering. Well, that's an important thing to do. That changed your life, changed your, your direction. Who knows what you would have done if you hadn't have reduced your suffering. You see, it is changing you and it is changing your perspective. You now have this new perspective on things. The fact that you're able to say, oh, I meditated before and it helped, but then I went back to the way I was, is wisdom, is knowledge. It's something that you didn't have back then, so it's already changed you. Who knows what will happen when you meditate this time? It's always changing you. Even a little bit of meditation changes. So it's not. It can't be possible that you'll go back to being exactly like you were before. As far as trying to keep meditation continuous, well, it's not. It's, it is not easy, but. There are ways to facilitate that. Try and associate with good people who are also meditating. Join meditation groups, get a meditation teacher, that sort of thing. I don't know if you've done our at-home meditation course, but that's a good way to develop daily practice. You can find links to it on our website. and Maybe read our
0: booklet as well. Well, You have to read the booklet to start the at-home course.
2: Do you have any advice for having to check on people every 12 or so minutes for a few minutes at a time when I'm meditating? It seems to lessen the effectiveness greatly. I do try to do so mindfully.
1: So most likely, I can't say for your case, but most likely your conception of what is effective is not the proper expectation. I mean, it's not what What the meditation is for, mindfulness meditation isn't for some trance state where your mind is calm and clear and so on. It's about changing our way of interacting with the world, so you should focus more on the continuity, what is continuous between the meditation and the ordinary state outside of meditation. So as opposed to trying to get some state, when you come back from having checked on this person mindfully, you focus on the new experiences, and they might be different experiences, and that can be disconcerting. But you focus on them, and that cultivates what's important, is this ability to adapt, this ability to engage with whatever's present, and to see change. When you see your mind change after you come back from checking on someone,
0: that's it. that's more important than entering into some calm, peaceful state.
2: How does one know if one is indulging in sleep? I sleep eight to nine hours each night, but try to get out of bed as soon as I wake up in the morning.
1: Well, ideally, you wouldn't sleep eight or nine hours a day if you were engaged in daily meditation. If you're being mindful throughout the day and practicing meditation once or twice a day, you shouldn't need so much sleep. So that's a good sign that you're indulging. Uh, that being said, no, I don't think there's anything to be said. I think that's, the, that's true. But people do sleep more when they're working physically, of course. Um, I still don't think you need more than maybe six hours of sleep. But it requir- that requires mindfulness. Most people
0: require more because of mainly because of their stressful, unmindful waking state.
2: In sitting meditation in the evening, I have trouble staying awake. You've said in the past just sleep, then come back renewed. Does this lack of energy indicate some fault or a mindfulness deficit?
1: Yes. But... So so just sleep isn't the first answer. It's not what you should default to. If you're tired, just sleep. You should try to be mindful of the tired. And there's different reasons why you're tired. I mean, if you're exhausted after a long day's work, of course, you probably need a nap at least. But uh, even then, you can note tired. But more common is this sort of tīna-midhā, this sloth, this this, um, torpor of the mind, where the mind is stiff unwieldy unmalleable and so you have to note that that's important to be mindful of falling asleep just sleeping should be your last resort when you just aren't able to challenge the the sleepiness don't feel bad if you do end up lying down and going to sleep worst case you probably best best uh answer is to lie down and try and do
0: lying meditation. Do fall asleep well when you wake up. Just continue on. But rather than lie down and say, I'm going to sleep, try to lie down as a worst, as a last resort. How does one explain meditation simply to Christian parents? Uh, Know thyself. I don't know, didn't Jesus say know thyself? Maybe it wasn't Jesus.
1: Uh, But mindful meditation is about understanding how your mind
0: works. It's about making yourself more meek, more humble, more understanding. It's about understanding how your mind works.
1: It's nothing special. I mean, of course it's the most special thing, but by that I mean it's nothing exotic. It's nothing mysterious. Being more mindful helps you be a better person. Helps you be a better Christian. I mean, it's hard to say because there are different kinds of Christianity, but the best Christians are those who love thy neighbor, who are able to free themselves from any covetousness mm.
0: yeah, who are able to do what Jesus said if someone asks you for your
1: coat what what does he ask if someone asks you for something you give him some you give him that and some if someone asks you for the coat on your back you give them your hat as well or something how you how can an ordinary person has a hard time doing that mindfulness helps you be that sort of person you can throw scripture at them there's a lot of good things in christianity that you can say it helps me be this sort of person and you can you can tell them if they're concerned about you practicing you can say well see what sort of a person i become through the practice if i become a meaner nastier more stingy greedy person then i'll stop but if i become a more kind and
0: caring and compassionate and mindful and peaceful person how can you fault me
2: i think i built up a hatred of society at large after our response to the pandemic any advice besides mindfulness and maybe some metta? It's so relentlessly disheartening to me.
0: Well, you've probably had those sorts of potentials in you already, which we most have. It's important to understand that that hatred is not a good thing, uh, which it seems you'd probably do.
1: But you should also note the, the feeling disheartened, the discouraged feeling. The disliking feeling of the disliking of the hatred. The disliking of your disliking. I mean there's no quick answer. Yeah, metta would be a
0: good one, but the the more the deeper answer is, is to note. The disliking to be mindful of it.
2: When I'm in situations that irritate me, I mutter and curse under my breath. I know that this is not right thought. Is it best to accept my non-right thought, or to try to change to right thought?
0: Well, I wouldn't worry too much about that, because we
1: have bad habits. And you're just trying to be mindful, and through mindfulness that will sort of change over time. Don't be too judgmental of yourself. See, it's it actually is a physical, words are just a physical expression. And they're not that big of a deal. What's important is the mind state behind them. Don't become too obsessed about the external
0: manifestations. Just try and be mindful of them as best you can.
2: Is negative visualization a good meditation practice? I have seen it endorsed, but I am unsure of how useful it is.
1: I don't comment on other
0: meditation techniques. Sorry, I don't know what that is, so I probably couldn't anyway.
2: What exactly is meditation? I do my studies very diligently with utmost concentration. Is this not meditation? What more you do as part of meditation other than concentrating?
1: Well, yes, I I would recommend if you're interested in learning about meditation in our tradition, you could read our meditation booklet. If you really want to learn more, you could sign up for an at-home course. I think that's the best answer here because well, except to say that there are many kinds of meditation out there. I mean, meditation is some sort of mental training. It can be any sort of mental training, so I can't give you one
0: answer. But I can tell you about our meditation. And you'll see that what we do is very different from just concentrating. There's concentration involved, but it's not the salient, most important quality.
2: The Buddha teaches that all things are impermanent. If one were to achieve freedom from rebirth, would even this be impermanent, and one could still be born again somehow?
1: No, the Buddha didn't teach that all things are impermanent.
0: He, in fact, left out freedom from suffering. It's the one thing that is not impermanent.
2: Does free will exist? It feels like the mind arises from karma, and my only choice is seeing clearly or losing myself to mind.
0: Well, you should note that feeling. This isn't a useful question.
1: I mean, it's good that you asked it, but it's important to understand that that's not a useful question. And you should focus on seeing reality as it is. You've got it right. The only choice is seeing clearly or losing yourself. But seeing clearly has a, has an effect. It's not pointless. It changes things. It is a karma itself. Both of those things are karma. Losing yourself is a karma choice. Or seeing clearly is a karma. So
0: choose to see clearly.
2: How much concentration do we need to do in sight meditation? How can we mix the two kinds of meditation?
1: Concentration is like the card, your drive, the movement of the car. It's Samadhi pamuka. Concentration is the the front that forward driving thing. I think it's the pamuka anyway. Samadhi is the is the the car driving, but you don't put you don't get out and push your car, right? You don't. Force the car to move, that's a much more clever
0: way to make a car run. Mindfulness is that way, or the practice that we call mindfulness.
1: You don't have to ask how much concentration do you need like you how, how hard we're going to push or how hard we're going to be mindful. You just need to be mindful, and the concentration will arise. effort will arise. all thirty-seven bodhipakya dhamma will arise
0: just by being mindful. They'll balance each other out.
2: How bad is it to miss a few days of practicing, sitting or walking meditation, considering that I practice daily mindfulness throughout the day?
0: It's better if you don't, but... I mean, I really can't answer that. depends on. It depends
1: much more. So, when you say you're practicing mindfulness daily throughout the day, well, if that to take that at face value, if that's actually true, then it's not bad at all, because you were still mindful. You see, there's really no difference between the formal meditation and the informal meditation. The point is that more likely, you weren't all that mindful daily throughout the day. You were probably mindful somewhat, some of the day. But you would have been much more mindful if you'd actually done formal meditation, you see, so that's the difference. Uh, formal meditation supports your ability to be mindful throughout the day, being mindful throughout the day supports your ability to do formal meditation, and in general, just any any amount of being mindful is going to change things is going to clear clear your mind, purify your mind, calm your mind, is going to order your mind so much good comes from being mindful. The other good thing is that you can always start. You don't have to worry about I wasn't mindful in the past. It's not like there's a there's a a deadline or something or a quota. Rather than worrying about the past, you should try and be mindful
0: now. Start again, start again. Always starting again.
2: we've exhausted the first and second tier of questions and we're quite near the end of the hour.
1: Okay. Well, thank you all for coming. Thank you, Chris, Ulu,
0: uh, Jim, for your help. Wish you all peace, happiness, and freedom from suffering. Sadhu.